going on everybody my homies my friends my listeners out there it is another episode of the all in man cave podcast i am your host cole hate after championship weekend we finally have the two teams that are going to be in the super bowl it has been decided uh, a very good array of a duo of games, I guess I could say, uh, from this weekend for championship week. It is Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. Uh, this is the 71st, actually, wait, hold on, 72nd episode of the All In Man Cave podcast. Thank you for all of your support out there. I could not do it without you guys. I appreciate all the listeners from wherever you're from, uh, closer to me, farther away from me, uh, and even on different continents. So I appreciate all the support. Thank you so much. Remember to follow me on Twitter. Uh, remember to add me on Facebook, C-O-L-E-H-A-Y-D as in dog, T as in Tom. Uh, and the Twitter at is All In Man Cave Pod. So we're, we're, we got some headlines to go over today. Uh, we're going to go over, take a look at all of the, cha- or all of the, uh, interestingly enough, both of the championship games, uh, take a dive into that. Uh, but we also got some headlines to go over that I've noticed uh, that have actually happened today, uh, earlier today, uh, as well as uh, some stuff going on with some coaches in the league. So we'll take a look at the games, and then I got a, a special segment at the end, uh, kind of my takeaways from the from, from the games as well. So a special segment at the end called 3 for 3, uh, which I'll get into when we get to the end of the podcast. But let's start with the headlines. Um, one thing, and there's, there, I only have three of them, but they're pretty, they're pretty uh, polarizing uh, in the NFL for the NFL, uh, especially in the time of the year where uh, once it gets closer to the Super Bowl, we kind of have less NFL content. There's not going to be a lot of stuff out there. Uh, there will always be NFL content, regardless of if it's middle of the season, leading up to the offseason, or not even close uh, to, to regular season play. But it's not going to be the same as uh, while the regular season's going on. So uh, one thing I really want to take out, which is the first part of, uh, of the headline segment, is, is Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and we didn't hear really a lot about Jim Harbaugh and who he was going to pick, if he was going to get interviewed by fo- NFL football teams, or if he was going to stay in college. And a lot of these uh, coaches that were on this this coaching carousel of, of interviews for all these uh, head coaching positions that are still vacant, uh, Jim Harbaugh really wasn't getting any interviews. And it was, a, a I would say, probably about a week or a two-week window where I, – I, I pretty much assumed that he was going to stay at Michigan if he wasn't going to interview for jobs. So Jim Harbaugh starting to splash into this this coaching carousel for some of these teams. There's a decent amount of teams still trying to fill offensive coordinator positions, uh, defensive coordinator positions, and head coaching positions. So uh, Jim Harbaugh is now is now interviewing. Now the Vikings, my Minnesota Vikings, have interviewed him uh, or plan to, I think, Wednesday. They've ever already conducted an interview. It was like a phone session, uh, but I think it's going to be an official interview this coming Wednesday, which is tomorrow. So, um, And he's going to definitely interview with the Miami Dolphins as well. Now, from all the things that I've read, uh, and you can't just read one source uh, in the NFL, you, you got to kind of dig through, kind of combine a lot of the stuff that you're hearing from depending on where the source comes from, whether they're biased or, or whether they're a quality source in general. So everything that I'm reading and what I'm getting for this from all of this is that Jim Harbaugh is probably going to pick Miami. Now, you, you, if anybody else uh, can remember, uh, the Miami Dolphins have seen Nick Saban go from college to the NFL, uh, did not work in the NFL at Miami, and then returned back to college. Jim Harbaugh thinks that he's going to flip the script on that. Now, uh, if he wants to choose Miami over the Vikings, I'm okay with that, uh, only because I think based on the way our GM search went the who the Vikings selected as their as to, to hire for their general manager position. I don't think Jim Harbaugh, even having a past uh, with Kwesi, uh Adolfo Mensa, I just don't think it's going to be a good match. Now they do have a history; they've worked on the same team. They were around each other, but Jim Harbaugh is not the type of coach that I think, in the long run, uh, will will have a good a good rapport with the GM and see things in the same type of way. Uh, 
Now, if, if you're if you're asking me, and I'm by no means an expert in the NFL on how people get together and, and what clicks and what doesn't, uh, but basically common sense would tell me that that this 40 year old GM uh, is going to pick a younger coach, and it's gonna, he's going to pick a younger coach that's not of a similar personality setup, uh, that was Mike Zimmer. Uh, and John, uh, sorry, Jim Harbaugh is going to be a little bit much, I think, for the current team and the nucleus that is on the, this Minnesota Vikings team currently, this roster. Now, that roster might change. Uh, and that some of the veteran players, uh, it, be based on salary cap, based on what have you, uh, thank you very much, Kirk Cousins, for our salary cap issues, but... It, it, it's it. Some players might end up leaving. Harrison Smith, uh, the veteran. Uh, you got Adam Thielen. You got Eric Kendricks. You got Anthony Barr. You got Patrick Peterson. You got Michael Pierce. All of these players that are veterans getting a decent amount of money and are higher salary cap are higher higher salary cap risks for this coming season. Uh, or are all players that are either gonna play or or we're gonna let them walk. So I just don't know if Jim Harbaugh will mesh well with the current roster. Now, I might be wrong on that, uh, but I'm thinking a younger, probably offensive-minded head coach is probably the direction uh, that our GM and our organization is probably going to go for. So Jim Harbaugh starting to heat up. He's going to start interviewing for probably more than just the Miami Dolphins and Minnesota Vikings jobs. You still got you still got the Saints out there looking for a head coach. Uh, there's a lot of teams. You got the Texans. There's a lot of teams that are looking for that perfect head coach, uh, and and people are starting to drop out of out of positions as well that were uh, well liked and were high on people's. If you had a coaching draft board. Uh, for some of these teams, and whether you're a fan of some of these teams with a coaching vacancy, it's always like up in the air. I don't know what's going to happen. Who are they going to pick? Who's going to be on the top? Who's going to get a second interview? Who are we liking? Who aren't we liking? It's 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 a weird place to be as a fan of your football team because you don't know what direction your team's going to go until that coach and that GM are in place and they and they decide to make changes to the roster. So uh, let's take a look at, at Jim Harbaugh in the in the coming weeks. And he's probably going to choose a team. I don't think it's going to take long. I think before the Super Bowl, Jim Harbaugh chooses a team to be a head co- to, to be the head coach of. So we'll take a look at that. Uh, but two quarterbacks that are very polarizing are the, are the other two headlines. And, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be the first one I talk about. I, I Listen, we talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers when I first started this podcast back in June. He was going through all this. I'm going to go to Hawaii. I'm going to start drama. And listen, all of the drama Aaron Rodgers caused is—it's is, not all malicious. It—he's not the easiest person to get along with. I just don't think all of it was malicious. I think some of it was was reasonable as to the reasons why he felt the need not to show up to 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 mini camp in the off season to get away. He's an older player. He's a veteran player. He's done this. It's the same rodeo every off season. If he thinks he doesn't need it, which he clearly didn't because he had an MVP caliber season this year. I feel like you're, he's in a spot to be able to make that call. So uh, listen, Aaron Rodgers is, is I've mentioned it before. I think it was on the last podcast I came out with is that he's going to he's going to take it slow and he's going to do what he feels like is best for him depending moving forward and he's going to announce what he's going to do and what his plans are live on the Pat McAfee show which he goes on every Tuesday. I listen to uh, the podcast, I told you guys I listen to podcasts the day after they come out. So I listened to the Monday episode of the Pat McAfee show. He hinted at maybe Rodgers would be on this week, even though last week they made it seem like it was going to be the last Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, which is what they, they coined that coined that Tuesday Aaron Rodgers talks on the Pat McAfee show day. So uh, let's see if he shows up. Let's see if he gives anything else. Uh, the, the Aaron Rodgers talking on the Pat McAfee show. Listen, I'm, I'm, I've hated Aaron Rodgers as the football player because of what he does to my football team uh, every year uh, since he's been in the league, and it it's just it's a lot of hatred for me to him as the player. He's a harder person to get along with, but he's a human, and and listen, it, it's sticky. He's sticky, but I I don't think that I don't think that he leaves Green Bay. Now that's uh, that's just my take. 
I don't think that he leaves Green Bay because I don't think wherever he goes, he has it better than what he has it in Green Bay, minus the weather. The weather would be the only thing that I think he can improve by leaving the Green Bay Packers. They have a solid offensive line. Their defense overperforms even with subpar statistical talent at all positions. And he's got Devontae Adams. He's got a running back. It, it, they performed well this year with an offensive line that was multiple backups. Like more than 60% of the offensive line was backups on any given Sunday for the Packers this year. And, and he needs to make a decision and can't wait because the Packers are in salary cap hell right now. They're over the cap. They, they need to restructure. They need to figure out what they're doing with their contracts. And the longer that Aaron Rodgers takes to make a decision, the longer they're going to be in limbo with how they're going to be able to handle the cap. And the cap, the salary cap for most of these football teams is the biggest deal. We got to get under the cap and we got to figure out in a, in a long-term situation, not just a short-term, sometimes maybe a short-term, but mostly in the long-term, what are we going to do with this football team? And that's what the, the 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 front office is thinking about for the Packers. Aaron, please make a decision so we can decide what to do with this football team so that we can be successful and, and get you maybe something that you could possibly use that we did that you didn't have this year, next year, and as well try to retain these players that are the the reason why they're able to get so far in the playoffs season in and season out. So uh, the Aaron Rodgers is keeping them in salary cap hell. Uh, th- there's stuff going around right now, and and the stuff that's going around doesn't seem pr- 100% legitimate. Uh, with Zadarius Smith, a very good pass rusher, thinking that he's probably uh, thinking about leaving the Packers. You've got Devontae Adams coming out with some cryptic tweets as well, uh, but he could be placed under the franchise tag. So the the legitimacy of 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 Devontae Adams leaving the Packers without Aaron Rodgers makes absolutely no sense to me. I, that doesn't it, it, listen. Aaron Rodgers leaves. Devontae Adams probably wants out. But if Aaron Rodgers is going to be there, there's no reason why Devontae Adams would ever leave Green Bay. It's just not. It, it's it, in my brain. There's not a scenario where that makes sense. It just it just doesn't. So we'll keep an eye once again for another offseason on Aaron Rodgers and what his future is. Uh, I mentioned already Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator for the Packers this year, just got. Um, just got hired as the head coach for the Denver Broncos. So that's that the Denver Broncos has been a, a destination that it seems like Aaron Rodgers would be okay with going to. Uh, John Elway's there. He seems to like it there. Can they pull off a mega trade with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers to Denver? And the Green Bay Packers just get like every pick until 2030? Uh, probably. Like what would you give up for that for that trade? Like you would have to give up at least. So, so you're saying, so let's just use an example. Jamal Adams went for two firsts and a second, I think, uh, to be acquired to the Seahawks from the Jets. If Jamal Adams is worth two first round picks and a second round pick, what is Aaron, what are Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams worth? Like five first round picks and two second round picks. Like that's insanity for me to even think about. And at, and at that point, uh, with some of the stuff I've been seeing online is like for as long as Aaron Rodgers is a starter, can you just take first round picks from people? Like, is that legitimate? Like, I don't know that far into the ins and outs of what's what's allowed and what's legal in the NFL. But if you could pull off a trade like that, like as long as Aaron, say Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Broncos for as long as Aaron Rodgers plays, you get their first round pick. Like that would be an insane Setup, but I I can see something like that happening as long as the legitimacy is good, uh, and that's and that's legal in the NFL, which I can't confirm right now. But that's awesome. Uh, that would be crazy, and that would give some sort of awesome boom to the off season if that were to to actually happen, because that would be in it would be groundbreaking if something like that ha- actually happened in the NFL, but. So we'll keep an eye on Aaron Rodgers. Last thing we're going to talk about today, officially announced, even with all the drama, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. Yes, I'm saying it, the greatest quarterback of all time, announced his retirement after 22 seasons in the NFL. Uh, This story was a freaking jungle. It was a disaster. 
So a few days ago, I think it was like three days ago, ESPN dropped with Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington, uh, who Jeff Darlington, if you guys are unfamiliar with him, uh, is pretty tight with the, the Tom Brady camp. So his agent, everybody he, he has surrounding him in a close-knit type family uh, type deal. They dropped that Aaron. Uh, sorry, they dropped that uh, Tom Brady was was gonna hang him up, uh, and he was gonna retire. And then the Brady camp came out and said, "Listen, his dad said it, his wife said it, he said it." Uh, there's a lot of people that were just like, "Hey, he didn't he didn't say anything. He didn't commit to anything. Nor did actually Tom say anything about it." So this is just the way the media works. Uh, and listen, you could say they were right because he was gonna retire anyway, uh, and he did it three days later, but. Uh, this is a ground. This is groundbreaking, and and it, it all makes sense now too. And if any of you guys are watching the docu series "Man in the Arena," uh, I've watched the first nine episodes. The tenth episode was not released and was held by Tom Brady uh, from being released, and I know exactly why now. Uh, I'm probably ninety five percent sure, and I don't think it came out since he announced his retirement, which was like. I don't know. I think it was midday today at some point, maybe like 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, but I, if, if it's released now, I haven't seen it, nor have I looked for it. But that's exactly why he didn't release it, because he wants to put his retirement speech probably in this last episode or, or something about his retirement. And then he releases the, the thing. I called it at work too. multiple people. Uh, asked me about this situation in general, and, and I was like, I'm watching this series, and if the on if the the internet is telling me there's ten episodes and he's not releasing the last one, there's a reason why, uh, and that's this is exactly the reason why. But uh, to take a look at at Tom Brady's history uh, through the NFL, how great he's been, I could take f- an hour talking to you guys about it. But uh, Tom Brady groundbreak, two hundredth pick, he. This man changed football. Uh, the way he talks about his life, the love for his family, and the love for football, and the way he was able to, the way he was able to juggle all three of those, and yet still be successful with all of the things that happened. Uh, there was a lot of scandal. There was a lot of BS throughout his career. There were gaps. He had three NFL careers uh, in the length of time for one in one career. The beginning of his career versus the middle versus the end. Uh, even with the Bucks, it, once he gets traded to the Bucks, you could say it's even four. But uh, listen, he, Tom, you cannot deny how good Tom Brady has been in the NFL and his success. And, and whether or not you think he deflated footballs, whether or not you think he was involved in Spygate, uh, and whether or not you think he was involved in all these other scandals that have come out. I encourage you guys all to watch Man in the Arena, and don't don't get me wrong. I, I'm not the biggest Tom Brady fan, and you never really are the biggest fan of somebody who constantly wins because you want to see them dethroned, uh, and that's just basically how sports work. And we'll get into that a little bit with the Chiefs later, but when we go over the, these NFC uh, NFC and AFC championship games, but. This, it, Tom Brady has been fantastic for the NFL. Uh, shout out to my friend Josh at work. He's the, and I've mentioned him before, he's a paid diehard Patriots fan, uh, but supports Tom Brady, so also supports the Bucks. Uh, it, it's going to be, for some of these Patriots fans who were fans and not just bandwagon jumpers uh, when Tom Brady got drafted and they started to win, some of these some of these fans are going to be heartbroken by this and and it's it's a great thing to see uh the success of him and how he was able to achieve it with with a very sticky uh sticky sticky situation in terms of his head coach their relationship uh and and he doesn't get into like the nitty gritty about it uh with him and Bill Belichick but they didn't see eye to eye all the time yet they were able to navigate that and still win and get championships and and Bill Belichick is definitely in in the top three, if not the number one, uh, coach of head coach of all time. So uh, Tom Brady retires. I don't know what the Bucks do now. Uh, not a single clue. But I will throw a hot take out there to see if they would be interested to acquire their former quarterback Jameis Winston and give it a run with Jameis. 
Uh, that would be interesting, and that would be extremely hilarious uh, to see what happens if Jameis Winston ends up going back after learning from Drew Brees, after learning from Sean Payton and being in a structured environment. Uh, maybe this time around, Jameis Winston will be able to, to to not fill the shoes of Tom Brady, but to be pretty decent. So uh, those are just some headlines I noticed. Uh, we'll uh, then hop into the championship games from this past weekend. It's two day. It was two days ago, uh, but it feels like a, a week ago. Honestly, I probably should have came out with this podcast on Monday, but I was doing a lot of uh, catching up in terms of me personal, uh, personal stuff. Got a lot of stuff to catch up on, but I probably should have come out with this podcast on Monday. However, if you haven't heard or you did not watch any of these football games, which is very odd if you're listening to this podcast, but. Uh, the Bengals beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game 27-24. to uh, There's a lot of stuff I want to take away from, uh, but, but we'll limit it a bit. There's a lot of stuff I want to take away from this. And and, and listen, my, my best friend, one of my best friends, Greg, um, listen, the Chiefs looked like the Chiefs in the first half. What happened in the second half, I myself cannot figure out. Honestly, honestly, and a lot of people are are saying that the Bengals defense stepped up and that the Chiefs play calling was 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 iffy. And those are the two uh, bugaboos that happened, which is why the Chiefs second half was as bad as it was. Patrick Mahomes had a had a QBR in the second half of zero, zero from a all star top quarterback in the league. To have a zero QBR in the second half, there's one of two things that happened. And listen, first we're going to talk about the Chiefs' play calling because their play calling in the second half was awful. And it wasn't as bad as people are saying it is, but it was still awful. Uh, Garbage, trash are are words uh, that other sports figures slash the internet is coming out with in terms of their play calls in the second half. I think it's a hodgepodge of a lot of things. I think the defense for the Bengals did play well in the second half and a lot better than they did in the first quarter slash the first half. Uh, but their play call, their play call on with five seconds left at the two-yard line was absolutely ridiculous. Now, uh, Mahomes has come out in the media uh, about that play, uh, and he's putting it on himself. You can kind of see the visual if you go back on on Game Pass and you see uh, what Mahomes and Andy Reid say to each other, try and read their lips uh, on that last play. And Andy wants to kick the field goal and Mahomes wants one more play. Now, what Mahomes did with that one more play uh, is the reason they lost the momentum in that football game. It clearly could have been 24, I think it was 21-3 at halftime. It clearly, no, maybe 21-10, either or. Yeah, it could have been. They could have been up by a lot more, uh, three more points than they were in. They would have kept the momentum going into the second half. They get the ball to begin the second half, uh, but that play hurt the Chiefs, and you could clearly tell based on everyone on their offense, uh, including their offensive line, and the and the Bengals secondary, who was pretty motivated to get all over their star players. So. Uh, Mahomes in the second half was at one point, I think it was in the middle of the fourth quarter. He was three of 10 in the second half, uh, multiple, uh, the interception, uh, early in the second half to, to the defensive lineman for the Bengals. I don't know what he was looking at. Uh, the Bengals player made a good play on the ball, tipped it up, tipped it to himself. And then they were, the Bengals were able to score on that play, but I don't know if Andy Reid deserves more of the blame. I don't know if Mahomes deserves more of the blame. I think the blame for the Chiefs and how they lost any type of momentum in that game uh, is because of that play call with five seconds left in the first half. That that was it, and it wasn't that wasn't the original play call. Andy Reid wanted him to get rid of the football. If it's not there, get rid of it so that you still have a second or two on the clock to kick the field goal and Tyreek Hill gets tackled inbounds and short of short of the of the goal line. So it it's tough as Chiefs fans as a a watcher an avid watcher of the NFL, it's tough uh when your team's good 
to get past where you were before. Uh, as It's the same toughness as if your team's bad uh, and you get into the playoffs and get blown out. So in the first round or even getting to the playoffs. So, so that's the difference between a fan of, say, the Chiefs for the past five years and the, a fan of the Vikings for the past five years. We get it to the playoffs. We get bounced out in the first round. It's tough. The Chiefs need to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl now to, to up themselves uh, because they are now the new dynasty in quotation marks in the NFL right now. And the Chiefs, and what I've taken away from this based on what I've seen out of the media, based on everything that I've read from how people are are perceiving the Chiefs' performance in this football game, the, the Chiefs are the new Patriots uh, in terms of how people view them. They, they are viewing them against, the, the, everyone was rooting against the Chiefs to win. They, they want the Chiefs to lose because people hate teams that win all the time. And honestly, all of these people that are saying that the, the the Kansas City Chiefs have not been, nor are they a dynasty, are completely wrong. The Chiefs are a dynasty. They, they've able, they were able to navigate the salary cap. They made in, improvements to make that team better. Their stars are willing to take less money. And Patrick Mahomes is a Hall of Fame quarterback. A Hall of Fame quarterback. It, it's it, They need to make the Super Bowl. And and I saw so many memes out. There's so many memes out there on the internet right now uh, of the pie chart saying people, Bengals fans, two percent, everyone rooting against the Chiefs, ninety eight percent. And there, I've seen so many types of those memes that proves that the Chiefs are now the team everyone wants to lose. And don't get me wrong, I picked the the Bengals plus the points, uh, but I picked the Bengals plus the points, assuming that the Chiefs were going to get the win. But it was going to be closer than than some people thought, considering it was seven points. So uh, listen, the, the the EK parlay missed again. I have an op- I had an opportunity to finally get a win with with four picks, uh, and it blew. Uh, I got the Rams money line right. I got the Bengals plus the points right, uh, but both of the overs missed. So I went two. We went two for four in the EK parlay. But the Chiefs are now the team that everybody wants to hate. And, and listen, I am not going to jump on that wagon. I won't do it. I absolutely will not do it. Uh, the, the way that Andy Reid and that offense perform with Patrick Mahomes, his leadership, the way he carries himself, the way the the playmakers on that team carry themselves, and the way that that front office is able to navigate their roster, even though they don't have any number one type running back or, or, or Listen, more production from the running backs in general. They're still able to contend year in and year out because of the solidarity as an organization that they have. I would not be worried if I'm a Chiefs fan. This dynasty will go on, uh, but it won't go on this year. So to 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 flip the sides and flip the script to the Bengals, the Burrow, the Joe Burrow start in this game versus the Joe Burrow finish uh, is like a flip flop. Uh, clearly, if you ha- didn't watch the game, if you didn't see much of the first half, uh, Joe Burrow came out and he came out super safe. And whether this was uh, a play calls from the offensive coordinator or he was just not confident enough in the first half, I remember he had at one point had eight completions for 28 yards. That screams safety. Uh, and I think he was trying to work himself in, and they tried to stick with the run more often, more than they needed to, uh, based on the way he performed in the second half. But the way he finished, Joe Burrow was finding everyone open. He was able to escape multiple sacks. I think they only sacked him one time, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And Patrick Mahomes was under duress the entire second half. So Joe Burrow was able to find uh, Jamar Chase, who was able to find T. Higgins, and was able to find uh, Drew Sample, his tight end, uh, that had to fill in for for C.J. Uzumoa. uh, That guy had a knee injury and was doubtful return. He never did return, but... Uh, the the beginning of the game for the Bengals, and they got out to that three points and they gave up 21. I was struggling in terms of the bet, honestly. Uh, and that's it because I, I was obviously rooting for the Chiefs in that game. Uh, but Joe Burrow proved that in the second half that that he he is what it's he is what it's about. Uh, and he's that one year in college that everybody said he was holding on to and that uh, possibly Joe Burrow might not be uh, – transferable from college to the NFL. Any haters that were out there that thought that statement uh, got completely proven wrong when they go into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs, especially when the Chiefs were up by 18 points. 
Um, Listen, they stuck with the run the whole game, even though they weren't able to really do much of anything with Joe Mixon. Uh, I think they were running the ball to set up screens that didn't work most of the football game. So we'll see. And it's going to be a struggle for them next week, especially in the Super Bowl. Uh, but th- their defensive adjustments in the second half is basically what allowed them uh, to come back into that football game, make themselves relevant, and eventually win it. Uh, their corners were playing good coverage on the, the stars for the Kansas City Chiefs. It was so great to watch. And my, my uncle was over. We were watching the football game. Shout out to Uncle Dale, even though he doesn't listen to the podcast, which he probably should. But shout out to Uncle Dale. For, uh, beginning of the second half, uh, the Chiefs were up big still uh, from their first half lead, and he called the Bengals coming back. And I was like, I honestly don't see it based on the way the Bengals' offense was performing. Uh, but their defense stepped it up. Their offense stepped it up. Joe Burrow stepped it up. Uh, and they had good coaching, even with a subpar offensive line most of the day. And there's nothing more you can ask from your quarterback knowing that you have a subpar offensive line and he's still willing to drop back, sit back in the pocket, and find that open receiver, which is what Joe Burrow did the entire second half. So kudos to the Bengals. The Cinderella story made it. Uh, They made it to the Super Bowl. And Bengals fans are, are probably ecstatic right now. I cannot tell you how many bar scenes, local Cincinnati bar scenes, that I've seen uh, videos of on, on ESPN, on NFL Network, uh, even just on the internet of people going absolutely nuts. It, it's awesome to see a team in there every year that's not there. Uh, it's it's a great story. It's good for the fan base. It's good for the organization. Uh, and, I, and they found their quarterback. So let's see what happens to them in the Super Bowl. But uh, the Bengals play well. They have some weaknesses, but they played extremely well, and they took down a a, a big giant in the NF in the AFC, and they might be able to contend multiple years if Joe Burrow can keep it up. Next game, the second game, the NFC Championship game, the Rams beat the 49ers 20 to 17. They were down 17-7 at some point, and, and this game looked and felt pretty boring to start. I was thinking about going to sleep, honestly, uh, in in the third quarter, but it started to get interesting, so I stayed up to watch the, the whole thing. Uh, we'll start with the 49ers. They take the L here, uh, but exactly what I've said on this podcast and what I felt all season came true. And not really in the first half, just mainly in the second half. The 49ers secondary needs changes. They need to figure it out. Because they got absolutely lit up like a Christmas tree in the se- in the second half. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson. Uh, it, they didn't even have Tyler Higby, but it didn't even matter. Uh, their backup, Blanton, came in and played extremely well in a big spot. Uh, the 49ers could not figure out the Rams' offense in the second half. They just could not figure it out. And, and I've, I've they got exposed. You can't... They're just not good enough, and and it's sad to say that, and it seems like I'm talking shit, but I'm not. I'm not really talking shit. I'm, not tr- I'm trying not to talk shit, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but th- their roster in the secondary is not very good, and I get it. It's a salary cap league. you got to figure out. You pick pick and choose your battles. What can you deal with? What are you willing to, to give up in terms of you can't have star players at every position or in every position group? But their 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 defense had many opportunities to make big plays on Matt Stafford, who they know will have risky throws every once in a while. Jaquiski Tart is the is the main the main bugaboo here, and and this was late in the game. I think the uh, the 49ers were up by 10 still. I think it was 17 to seven. Matt Stafford throws into double coverage. It wasn't even close. Underthrown ball, similar to a punt, I guess you could say. And Jaquiski Tart can't even catch the fo- catch the football. It's ridiculous. It was right to him, uh, and, and and that's the coined phrase, I guess, from, from anywhere anywhere in the NFL if you've watched for a while. That's why they play defense, because they can't catch. That's why they're not wide receivers. They're corners slash safeties. He proved that point to a T. Uh, this ball could not be placed any closer to his midsection, and there was nobody around him. And after that, Odell Beckham catches a big pass, and they get a 15-yard penalty uh, for a head-to-head hit. And it's it's like you just lost 45 yards and the football in one in one play after not making that interception. It was absolutely ridiculous. Now the offense for the 49ers, I think, struggled in this game. 
uh, most of the game. Jimmy G threw two two touchdowns and a pick. We'll get to the, to the pick in a minute, but uh, they were not able to execute the game plan that Kyle Shanahan wanted to execute, and that's why their offense struggled mainly in the second half. Uh, but basically all day on the ground, 18 carries for 46 yards, uh, and that was a combination between Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel. So uh, both of them had, I think Debo Samuel had seven carries for 26 yards, and I think Elijah Mitchell had 11 carries for 20 yards. But they were pretty much bottled up, and and kudos to the Rams defense for being able to bottle up uh, a team that runs the football well against basically everyone. So kudos to them. But they couldn't execute their plan. Jimmy Garoppolo, 16 of 30. He had a bunch of another bunch of sketchy throws. So Jimmy Garoppolo has another Jimmy Garoppolo type game. Sketchy throws. Uh, he had some good throws. He had some bad throws. Uh, but he couldn't handle it at the end of the game. They couldn't handle it. And, and and granted, a lot of people are talking about that last play. Jimmy G sacked. He's under duress. He flips the ball right before his knee hits the ground, and, and it's an interception. I'm not one of those people that was like, just take the sack. Uh, because if you take the sack, it would have been like fourth and 25. Uh, so uh, what do you get? You're not getting fourth and 25. They had, I think, one timeout left uh, with like maybe 50 seconds. Uh, and they would have been on their own 10 uh, just to get into field goal range. Yeah, you can make that argument if you want. That's fine. Uh, but Jimmy G dropping back, knowing he's going to pass based on the way the Rams were playing him all game. You weren't getting that fourth down. I don't blame him trying to flip it to his running back. And it was a pretty good flip, to be honest. A little high. Uh, but Jimmy G typically misses high on passes as it is. But uh, impressive for him to even get it off. But they, the Rams intercept the ball with like a little over a minute left. So at, they they solidified the win. Uh, and then we'll just talk about the Rams. Uh, we'll flip the script here. Uh, the Rams defense played well. Uh, they looked weird in some situations, uh, especially in the secondary opposite the side of Jalen Ramsey, who should have had three interceptions in this game. Uh, oddly enough, Jalen Ramsey couldn't come up with multiple picks in this game. But Listen, their secondary is okay. I think it's a little overrated minus Jalen Ramsey. Love Jalen Ramsey. Uh, great player. He plays with an edge. It doesn't typically affect him and or get him penalties, even though he plays tough, uh, which is exactly what you want from a number one corner. That's exactly what you want. But the, the, they, the Rams defense did soar in this game. They played well. They were able to get pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo, although – they didn't have the sacks that proved it. The stats may not prove it, but he was hurried. Uh, he was affected. Uh, but the, the 49ers showed up in the first half, but not in the second half. And Sean McVay had multiple questionable challenges in this game, which kind of felt like the 49ers were an inch into it because of his horrible challenges. Both challenges, I believe, were in the second half. They were bad. It was a fumble his knee wasn't even close to, or his knee was way down by multiple seconds. Uh, and he throws the challenge flag. They lose a timeout. And then the second one was the QB sneak uh, with, with Matt Stafford. And if you're watching the game live, you see the, the line of scrimmage line. You see the, the red fourth and one line. And Matt Stafford doesn't even get close to it. And you know that they're not going to change the call unless it's it's disputable evidence. And you can't tell where he is. You can't tell where the ball is. And it and it looks generally from any human, I think, watching it, that he was short. So they lose two timeouts. So in a situation they need timeouts at the end of the game, they don't have them. So the way that they were able to navigate with Matt Stafford, Stafford played a hell of a game. Now, he did have some sketchy throws like he typically does, uh, comparably to Jimmy Garoppolo, not as a whole, but they both have sketchy throws within football games. It's happened since Stafford was in was in Detroit. It's happened when when Jimmy Garoppolo was in New England. It's it, it, their whole careers. They have sketchy throws. They miss high. They miss wide. Uh, just a few throws. Not a lot of them, but a few. Uh, but 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 are we going to start talking, and a lot of people are talking about this, which is why I want to bring this up. Did Matt Stafford just solidify himself into the Hall of Fame? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, granted, you could say Detroit was horrible when he was there for over a decade. He had a few players. They had a few decent seasons. 
but he needs to prove he's going to be successful at some point in his career, and I think he needs to win this Super Bowl. If Matt Stafford wins this Super Bowl, he'll get in the Hall of Fame. If he does not win this Super Bowl, he's not going to get in the Hall of Fame. Even though he's a great quarterback, he has great skills, he even ran the ball well in this football game, which is very interesting considering I basically never see Matt Stafford run the ball. The reason why I bring this up is he had 40 yards rushing all season until this game. I think he had 25 yards in this game. I know I remember the scramble for 15 up the middle on a, on a long third down, but he, he made multiple good plays on the run, on the move, and it was great to see their, their stars show up. Uh, it was great to see them try and run the ball to establish things. It's stuff that you, we, weren't, we weren't talking about the Rams at the beginning of the season being able to do. Uh, and at some points of the season, not being able to do it. So great to see that. Uh, the Stafford Hall of Fame talk, I think, is a little early, and people are starting to lose their minds a little bit too early on the internet. Uh, so you got to see what happens in the Super Bowl, how he plays. He's going to be at home, even though they're the away team technically, uh, via the AFC versus NFC player in the NFL. They vice versa. They switch on and off every year, uh, not mattering where the, the, the Super Bowl is held in terms of a location. But it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see in the Super Bowl. Bengals are going to be against the Los Angeles Rams. Bengals will be the home team. Uh, and this is going to be a very interesting Super Bowl from two teams that, granted, you may have had the Rams early uh, as a good chance to win the Super Bowl, but nobody would have picked the Bengals in the Super Bowl before the season started. Nobody would have even picked them to finish in first or second in their division. Most people I talked to had the Bengals finishing in last in that division. They go out, they win that division, and they win three big games to get to the Super Bowl. It's going to be interesting to see how Joe Burrow comes out. And we got plenty of time. Uh, it's Tuesday. The Super Bowl is not for t- almost two weeks, uh, 12 days. We got a lot of time to talk Super Bowl and what we're looking at from both of these teams uh, going in, depending on what happens in these upcoming weeks. But uh, Joe Burrow's awesome, and I can't wait to see him in this Super Bowl because it's going to be pretty entertaining to go against uh, another great quarterback in Matt Stafford trying to prove himself. All right, so I mentioned we went two for four for uh, in the EK parlay. Unfortunately, we didn't get a win uh, since the EK parlay was started back in, I think, week five or week six of the regular season. I'm going to come out with some some props uh, for the Super Bowl as we get closer uh, to the game. Uh, probably not this week, probably next week up until the game, right up until the game starts, maybe the Friday before the Super Bowl. Uh, on DraftKings, you can't parlay player props, so you won't be able to parlay them. But if you guys want, I'm going to come out. Uh, I'm going to come out when, and offer some some good picks in terms of player props. I'll pick against the spread. I'll pick the over-under. So we're going to have a lot of Super Bowl bets uh, that I'll put in that podcast right before the Super Bowl. So uh, I know it's not going to be a parlay. It's not going to be parlayable if you use DraftKings. Uh, but if you use FanDuel, maybe it is uh, or some other type of betting platform. Uh, but let's get to our newer – let's get to our new segment. So uh, it's called 343. Three for three, uh, the three biggest takeaways that I, Cole Haight, host of the All In Man Cave podcast, consider the three biggest things I took away from these NFC and AFC championship games and what I noticed when I watched every snap of both games. Uh, the three biggest things I saw uh, that affected the outcomes, uh, some things I saw in terms of the players and in terms of the way teams performed. Uh, but I'm got the, I've got the three things right here. We're going to start at number three, work our way to one. Uh, So this is the debut of the segment three for three. Number three, bad tackling in key spots by every single team, which is all four teams, from both of these NFC and AFC championship games. This was absolutely absurd. I cannot tell you how many times I saw a third and long converted because a wide receiver catches the ball a yard or two short and is able to somehow fall forward for a first down. I feel like the tackling was soft. Now, was there good defensive performances in this game by whole teams and individuals? Absolutely. Great defense by the Rams, uh, some great defense by the Bengals in the second half, but so many players, whether they be running backs, tight ends, or wide receivers, even quarterbacks, on third and longs, uh, yards after the catch, it's, it's teams that aren't tackling, and fundamental tackling has been an issue in the league for multiple years now. I would say since I've been watching uh, 
in the past three years, the tackling has has gotten worse. And it's it's because I think players are not wrapping up. They're not using the fundamental ways of tackling that that previous generations of NFL players have used to be successful. Uh, they're just going low and they're not wrapping up. And there was bad tackling a lot. I, I can probably, at least in my mind, visualize 10 to 15 plays, big plays, key spots in football games that third downs were picked up because people couldn't tackle. People couldn't stop momentum of players. And yards after the catch, you catch the ball on a screen and get 40 yards. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. Now, kudos to the play calling uh, for the play calls uh, being executed. Uh, but the tackling could have been better to prevent some of these big plays in these games. And at the point of contact for some of these running backs at the line, they're touched a yard in the backfield but gained six yards. It's just a, it's a killer for football teams. And I've witnessed that a lot, which is why it's number three uh, as the one of the takeaways I took away from this weekend. Number two takeaway is the stars shined in, in these games. And, and the stars played well. The quarterbacks didn't really. There wasn't a lot of this quarterback played fantastic. They played good enough. And some of them had some bad plays. But the stars shined. Uh, touchdowns by Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and Jamar Chase. As well as awesome games from T. Higgins and Odell Beckham Jr. Every star in both of these games played well and scored a touchdown. So the stars played amazing. Now, their routes were crisp. It looked like the defenses were completely confused, which I've got to shout out the play calling again from all four teams on some of these big plays. But their catch radiuses, the way the way these teams were able to get yards after the catch, the way the stars were able to perform, all of the stars played well. And if you played Daily Fantasy, if Daily Fantasy is even a thing, because I don't personally do it, uh, but even in the NFC Championship game and AFC Championship game, if you were able to put up uh, a team with a lot of the stars to make some type of monetary win or monetary gain, the, the stars didn't let you down. Uh, they all scored touchdowns, had multiple receptions. Uh, the running backs for, for, the team, for all four teams really didn't perform well. Uh, but the wide receivers, the tight ends, and all pass catchers pretty much did. And kudos to the quarterbacks making good throws. Uh, but you never really see every single star from all the teams perform well. Uh, but most of them did, which is uh, why it comes uh, it comes onto my list of, of one of the biggest takeaways. My number one takeaway from this this weekend's championship games is the fact that Cinderella's can make it and teams that face adversity can make it to the Super Bowl. There's a stigma out there for some people uh, that you gotta play well all year and you gotta play well every game in the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl. And both of the teams that are currently gonna be playing for that Lombardi trophy, both had struggles this year. Whether it be the Bengals and their inconsistent, inconsistent defense, the, the, the subpar offensive line that's mentioned multiple times, and the fact that Joe Burrow had a lot of interceptions was was a talk of the town at the beginning of the season, through the middle of the season, until they went on kind of a run at the end, uh, as well as through the playoffs. Uh, but but they were they were they're considered Cinderella stories, and you might not consider the Rams a single Cinderella story, but but they struggled, and so did Matt Stafford. Uh, he threw a he threw a a plethora of pick sixes in, in a month span. I think he had six pick sixes in a month in four games. It was absolutely outrageous. But uh, Stafford's interceptions were a problem, especially in that lull that they had uh, probably starting maybe week eight to maybe week 14. Uh, their defense wasn't playing well. Stafford was turning the ball over. It was a problem. Their defense struggled for a bit. Uh, they allowed a bunch of teams uh, that were pretty subpar in terms of running the football run all over them uh, with Aaron Donald in the middle, which is very surprising. And their secondary was giving up big plays, and that includes Jalen Ramsey. And and that to, to go with that, their running game was under a microscope all season uh, with, with, with Daryl Henderson Jr. being dinged up. Uh, with them picking up Sony Michelle, it took him a little bit to go. And Cam Akers missed the entire season minus week 18. Uh, so them being able to run the ball effectively 
it was it was a struggle at the beginning of the season for the Rams to run the ball effectively. But they were able to figure it out with Michelle, figure it out with Akers in Week 18, and they're able to at least stick with it long enough for it to be impactful in all three playoff games that they played so far. So very good to see that teams that struggled and had a very struggling maybe month, month and a half, two months of the regular season uh, fought adversity, figured it out, and are now going to be playing for a Lombardi trophy. So that, that that's definitely the number one impactful thing that I've taken uh, as a takeaway from these uh, NFC and AFC championship games. All right, guys, that will do it for this episode of the All in Man Cave podcast. Remember, Again, to follow me on Twitter at All in Man Cave Pod. Give this podcast a share wherever you listen to podcasts on Facebook, any social media. I appreciate spreading the word on the All in Man Cave podcast. We will still have content, there will always be NFL content. However, got to get Tyler back on the podcast, do some. Do some uh, baseball stuff, do some MLB stuff, even though there really hasn't been much of go- much of anything going on based on the labor strike, in quotation marks, that's basically happening right now. I get a few updates to my phone that I've seen, but Tyler and I have been talking about it uh, via text message. But listen, uh, there's going to be plenty of content. We'll get into some hockey stuff, maybe do some golf stuff. Uh, but there'll be, there'll be plenty of content. There's always NFL content, like I've mentioned. However, the amount of stuff to talk about sometimes goes to a lull, uh, especially right after the Super Bowl. But got the Pro Bowl this weekend. Anybody interested in watching that, make sure you tune in to watch the Pro Bowl. All your favorite players from your favorite teams, uh, if they're playing in it. Uh, obviously, if your favorite team is the Bengals or the Rams, you will see none of those p- players that were uh selected for the Pro Bowl, uh, but always interesting to watch it for a little bit. I've never been the biggest fan of the Pro Bowl. However, I'll probably tune in. Uh, my girlfriend thought it would be pretty interesting to watch uh, since it's gonna be, it's definitely a lot different than an actual football game, But uh, so we'll probably watch it a little bit. I believe that that's this Sunday coming up. I can't remember. I think it's 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but I will be back Uh, for another podcast probably later this week maybe the weekend Um, but we'll cover some of the coaching stuff we'll cover some of the headlines that that happens in the NFL and we'll 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 talk some we'll talk some future maybe with the Vikings maybe the Vikings will have a head coach by then who knows hopefully uh, and hopefully he doesn't stink because I've had enough of those so um, until next time hope everybody has a good rest of the day Uh, And I appreciate it. I appreciate all the listeners out there, whether you've been with me from the beginning or if it's the first time listening. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Until next time, like I always say, later.